You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Chris and I, we cover the two, that's right, the 2-0 and New York football giants who just defeated the Carolina Panthers 19-16 to at home, the debut of Brian Dable and the Joe Shane era at MetLife Stadium. It was a sloppy game on offense, and we'll get into all that. But Chris, we had no idea the New York Giants were going to be 2-0 and heading into this Monday night football game where the Dallas Cowboys look like they're not going to have back Prescott. What are you feeling right now, bro? The, a whole lot of things. The Like I said, the, I, I could have seen a 1-1 one one New York Giants. I didn't see them beating the Tennessee Titans, and I... I figured this game was kind was a coin flip. It could have gone either way. And really, I think it, both of these games, a lot did go the Giants' way. But they also did a lot to, I, I would say, put their thumb on the scales a little bit and kind of put themselves in position to take advantage of some of those instances that could have gone either way. You're right, though, Chris. Both of these games could have gone either way, but that just goes to show you winning is everything. And bad football teams find ways to lose football games like the game the Giants played against the Carolina Panthers. And the Giants are a better football team than the Carolina Panthers. Panthers might have better personnel in certain spots, but the biggest edge the New York Giants have over that organization is on the coaching side of things. Brian Dable is such a better coach than Matt Rule, who is a straight-up donkey, just donkey 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 and then you have phil snow who I, I hear a lot of rumblings about how that's not a great situation i respected him back when he was at baylor and i felt like he did a really good job shutting down the rushing attack by using oki from like, like like it was college essentially to shut down like spread type of offenses and the giants could generate any kind of room up front and we'll get into all that and then ben mcadoo against wink martindale i mean come on man like wink martindale is phenomenal addition i'm ecstatic that the Giants were able to sign this guy because every game is a pleasure to watch. It might not always end up as good as this because he's going to take advantage of lesser quarterbacks. And we saw a little bit of that with Ryan Tannehill in week one. But the way he dials up pressure and rolls his safeties is a marvel to watch. Yeah, it really is. And I do kind of want to get into the the Phil Snow conversation just a bit. Now I know this is Giants podcast. He is not a Giants coach. It doesn't affect the Giants in any way, but it it is relevant for our discussion about this game. Yeah, a lot of the the basis for the conversation about Phil Snow's defense is people feel he's calling a college defense in the NFL, and I did notice that in this game. Like first play of the game, the Panthers line up in that Oki front with their second level defenders, you know, mix of linebackers and safeties stacked right over those defensive linemen. It wasn't a pure air raid killer defense like you'd see out of uh, Iowa State, but it did have some of those same principles. And that is something Snow absolutely carried with him 
from Temple to Baylor and into the NFL. But it worked against the Giants' defense. So they were able to get a get a stop on that first play. It was a running play with just a six-man box. And the way the Giants ran the ball in the first game, that is honestly kind of impressive. I think that does speak to the kinds of concepts that the Giants have installed in this offense where it is kind of a college-based offense to play to the strengths of the Giants' offensive personnel. This was also just an excellent way to shut down Saquon Barkley because an Oki front has a nose tackle directly over the center and then two five techniques on the outside shoulder of those offensive tackles. So you have kind of a wide defensive front and the way that you can negate the vulnerability of the A and B gap, specifically the B gaps, is you bring both of your linebackers basically right off the line of scrimmage. Both of those guys were told to penetrate whenever they saw a pulling offensive lineman because we know the New York Giants had so much success pulling their offensive linemen against the Tennessee Titans. So, And I brought this up on other shows. Why do you think Frankie Louvu looked like Brian Urlacher in this game? And I like Frankie Louvu. I think he's a solid rotational player, but he was penetrating. Every time he saw a pull, it stresses the offensive lineman. It was a much better game plan than just running essentially what Shane Bowen did of an overfront with a three technique to the strength and then one technique to the backside, which the Giants were just power gapping all game against the Tennessee Titans. This type of front, though, the New York Giants struggled getting really any traction until in the fourth quarter when Saquon Barkley busted off a couple of nice runs and the Giants were using 12 personnel, double Y sets to kind of overload one side of the line of scrimmage. And then they would run weak side off of that. I think once or twice they did that to some success. Credit to Saquon Barkley for finding little crevices in the offensive line, some solid blocking up front. Overall, the blocking wasn't great from a pass block blocking or run blocking standpoint, but they did enough to win the football game. And at the end of the day, that's all you really want out of your football team. Yeah. I'll say that I think the big difference in the fourth quarter, when the giants were able to get just enough offense going is that a, the Panthers defense had been out there for a long time. The giants offense, I'm sorry, the giants defense played, I think 58 snaps, the offense, the giants offense and the Panthers defense played over 70. That is, that is a pretty big discrepancy. So the the Panthers defense was starting to get gassed by the end of the game. And that made the Giants chip blocks just a little bit more effective. You started to see in the fourth quarter, the Panthers linemen and linebackers not able to deal with those chip blocks as well as they did in the first half. So it it slowed down those penetrators. It created just enough traffic to negate some of the speed of the Carolina defense, which allowed Barkley to get to the second level where he was able to make up and make the kind of yardage we were expecting to see from him on a more regular basis. And the Giants lining up in 12 personnel kind of forced Phil Snow to employ a four down front which means you have the one technique, you have the three technique, and then you have two guys who are outside. So you don't have that tight front, that oaky front that we were going over before. And they rattled off a 10-yard run against that to start that final field goal drive, and then an eight-yard run against that. Because when you roll out 12 personnel, it's going to force the defense to adjust a little bit. Saquon Barkley did a good job finding the double teams and then finding the linebackers who are getting or avoiding the linebackers who were getting picked up by offensive linemen who actually had free releases. So it seemed like there was a reprieve from the offensive line standpoint to take advantage of the fronts that were being deployed 
down the stretch of the game because those fronts had to change because of what the Giants were doing from an adjustment standpoint. Another slight little credit right there to one Mike Kafka. Yeah, and those are the kind of adjustments we haven't seen in previous years where you know, if something wasn't working for the Giants, they just did it harder <laughs> under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. Yeah, I think more than anything else, that might be the biggest change under this coaching staff, and it really is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> It's a huge breath of fresh air. And after rushing for over 200 yards in week one, the Giants only rushed for 100 yards here against Carolina, yet they still get a victory. Like we said, the Giants could have blew the, blew the Carolina Panthers out. If Baker Mayfield was a better quarterback, he could have really won this football game, but he couldn't take advantage of Wink Martindale's defense down the stretch. But I want to talk about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, very controversial figure here, Chris, in Giants Twitter, right? He finishes this game with 176 yards, a touchdown. He left some plays on the field, the Kadarius Tony over. I think he probably could have found Sterling Shepard in the back of the end zone if he threw with anticipation. But I got to say, man, not just with his legs. And he did make good plays with his legs, judicious, smart plays. But he made some big time throws in the second half, the third and nine to Richie James, the third and 10 to David Sills to convert, keep the sticks moving, get the Giants in reasonable field goal range where Graham Gano kicked it through. Great game by Graham Gano. Daniel Jones really helped the Giants win this football game, despite the fact that he he left a lot of plays on the field. It's like, was this game, Chris, not just the microcosm of Daniel Jones's career and how much of a roller coaster it can be? Uh, yes, it, I, I would say both of these first two games together have been quintessential Daniel Jones, where he does just enough to keep people on board with him. And like you said, there were plays that were left out on the field. There was some sloppy offense. I noticed a few times he was holding the ball when if he had thrown with anticipation instead of waiting to see a receiver come open, he could have had a nice gain. Uh, the Matt Ioannidis sack, we saw the kind of lack of pocket awareness that has kind of plagued him throughout his career, where he just kind of stepped into the sack. And if he had slid a little bit and released the ball, he had Tanner Hudson running free, wide open for a first down. But it, Either he didn't see it in time or he didn't see Ioannidis basically breaking through the offensive line, bullying. I believe it was John Feliciano back. Might have been Ben Bredesen. I'd have to go back and check on that. But basically through that left A gap. And and there were other plays like that. Uh, the Frankie Louvu almost interception where Jones just threw it directly to him. Didn't see the underneath coverage. There was a, another play he threw to, I, I want to say he threw it to Richie James, and he was just bracketed. Fortunately, it was a poor throw, and nobody could make a play on it. But th those are the types of plays that have really plagued Daniel Jones and a reason for a lot of the criticism of him. But then you also get the throw to David Sills, the decision to pull the ball down and run it to convert. I believe it was a big third down. And I believe he also converted a fourth down with his legs. And that is, those are just examples of him doing just enough to keep himself on the field and to give the giants a chance to win. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And that's exactly what he did. He gave the Giants a chance to win. But those really good quarterbacks, those Patrick Mahomes, those Justin Herberts of the world, they see certain plays develop and then they throw the football and they make the defense pay whenever there's just a little crevice of a mistake. And there were little crevices of mistake within Carolina's secondary, but Daniel Jones didn't always make him play, albeit I will say that third nine play to Richie James. He threw with anticipation. He threw with touch. That was great. The way he manipulated the pocket and, and flowed to his left to avoid the pressure off of Evan Neal, who did not have a great game here. The way he avoided that pressure on the third and 10, though, the throw to David Sills was another really amazing play by Daniel Jones. And like you said, man, those are the little plays that Daniel Jones will make that makes you be like, oh man, that's that's the kind of stuff I want to see out of my quarterback. But then you have him bail in the pocket far too often, not keeping his eyes downfield, which to me has not been a huge problem throughout Daniel Jones's career. Daniel Jones stands tall in the pocket, but he saw a lot of openings and he felt like he could really explode through them. But it seemed like the Panthers, I don't know if they were baiting him or if they were just rushing wide and then closing that B-gap really quickly because Daniel Jones left some plays on the field because he tried to bail the pocket a little bit too early on several different occasions. Yeah, and I do wonder if that might be a coaching point the Giants have made because they have said they they want him to run. Yeah, I feel like the previous regime really wanted to keep Jones in the pocket, which Jason Garrett, he's kind of an old school Air Coriel offensive coordinator. He he really wants a Phillip Rivers type quarterback who will who can flow within the pocket, but isn't going to be out there running around and exposing himself to those big hits. This coaching staff, I think they have a greater understanding of what a modern dual threat quarterback brings to the field. And I think they're a little bit more willing to allow Jones or their quarterback in general, because they're used to Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen to expose themselves outside of the pocket, which yes, there is risk, but there's also opportunity out there. That's how you got to use Daniel Jones. You, You have to leverage his athletic traits. And we even saw it as simplistically on the second and 10 touchdown to Daniel Bellinger. You just use motion with Richie James. You bring the sniffer from the backside, Daniel Bellinger right at the snap to follow Richie James, Richie James, Kenny Galladay, clear, clear out that side of the field. And then what do you do? You put that defender, that weak side defender that will in conflict at the mesh point with Saquon Barkley. And you have that defender expand. It was Frankie Louvu with 
Daniel Bellinger and Daniel Jones rolling to that side. Luvu has to make a decision. It's a two versus one. He takes Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones obliges and throws the football to Bellinger. And Bellinger makes a great play after the catch to find the end zone. Even that, he's not running. He's not really putting himself into too much of harm's way. But you still get him rolling a little bit. And how many times did Mike Kafka move the pocket? do naked bootlegs, do rollout type plays. And you know what that also did, Chris? That slowed down the ability of Carolina to stop the run. Because if you watch the fourth quarter, there were several times where Brian Burns unblocked, comes off the edge, and he could get Saquon Barkley from the backside, but he has to freaking respect Daniel Jones on those rollouts because the Giants made Carolina pay all throughout the late first half and third quarter with those play-action rollouts little chess match there. You know what I'm saying? You have to make them respect Daniel Jones's ability to extend plays, to run and to roll out. And I felt like Kafka showed that look several times, took advantage of the defense several different times as well. But then it also helped the rushing attack because those backside pursuit defenders, like in his own read, have to respect Jones on those rollouts when you make them pay so many times. Yeah. And yeah, I think the, the flow of the game really did play to the giants strengths and their game plan. Yeah, the Giants were never forced to abandon the run. Yeah, they were never really forced to air the ball out and rely on their passing game. And I think that goes for both games. It it goes for the Tennessee game. It goes for for this game as well, where the opposing team was never able to get traction. Yeah, partly because of their own mistakes, partly because of Wink Martindale's defense, which is something we're going to get into. The the Giants offense was never under much pressure. They never had to abandon their game plan. And we saw in both games, the fourth quarter, they could take the air out of the ball completely. They barely threw the ball in the fourth quarter and on either game winning touch or game winning scoring drive. And that really does play to the Giants' strengths and what they want to do, at least as the team is composed right now. And it's not like it was under Garrett and Judge, right? It's much more varied. You you see every t- you see this coaching staff, you see this offensive quarter make the defense pay for being over aggressive. You see the same looks with different results and different play calls off of those looks to keep the defense honest. And then you also see crazy plays like the third and one run by Gary Brightwell. I mean, 31 personnel, Chris, that's freaking awesome. You got Gary Brightwell, you got Saquon Barkley, you got Matt Breida going in motion there, and he just handed off the Gary Brightwell little fullback dive is what it looks like right off the double-team combo block of Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal, who blow Ionitis off the ball. Feliciano and Bredesen do a good job on the one technique as well, and then Gary Brightwell is gone because 57, Damian Wilson, is looking at Saquon Barkley on the halfback misdirection pitch. He doesn't even have his eyes on Gary Brightwell. Plus, all those defenders to the play side are looking at Matt Breida on the motion. Just that little hesitation. All It's all you need. Just create a little hesitation, and then you give a ball to a player with the burst of Gary Brightwell. He can make you pay. He scampers for 14 yards. So very well-designed, simple type of run right here from Mike Kafka. But sometimes simplicity works. Yeah. Now, you know what I want to see now that that play is on tape? I want to see the Giants throw out of that formation. I want to see them line up with that 31 personnel or, you know, maybe even 22 personnel put uh, a Myrick in the backfield as a tight end or Bellinger as a tight end. Uh, I'm sorry, as a fullback and then fake the handoff and then throw on play action, maybe even throw off of play action to the person they fake the handoff to, because that's the kind of thing you can do with play sequencing. When you have one of these heavy 
obvious to everyone in the stadium, everyone in the world that we're going to run the ball formations. That's when you can get these real shock play off of play action. And that's the kind of deception and misdirection that a lot of other offenses have been using lately. Uh, Kyle Shanahan loves it out in San Francisco to throw out of a heavy set. Yeah. And he has success with it. And now Jimmy G is back, but Chris, <laughs> I know that's, I feel so bad for Trey Lance, but you know what? I, I, I slight, slight tangent and digression here because we're about to tra- transition over to the defensive side of the ball. The giants lost Leonard Williams. We found out that is a sprained MCL. Now, Giants fans have been cursing their luck at the injuries since August started. However, with the exception of Darian Beavers, Marcus McKeithen, guys who might have been useful pieces, but they would have started out as depth pieces. The Giants haven't really lost anybody. Yeah. Shane Lemieux, he's going to be back. Kayvon Thibodeau, he might be back this game. Aziz Ojolari, he will be back. Wondell Robinson, he will be back. Leonard Williams will be back eventually. But the Giants haven't had, like, Dak Prescott getting his hand injury. Tyron Smith going down with a nasty, I believe it was a leg injury. Uh, was it hamstring or a qu- I think it was a quad injury for him. Uh TJ Watt tearing his pec, Trey Lance having his ankle fractured, uh, Dane Jackson the other night on Monday Night Football having to get take, put into an ambulance on the field. You know, this year has been brutal for injuries, and so far the Giants have avoided the worst of it. So you know, that, that, I think, is something to be thankful for. So far, Chris. like, What are you trying to do, man? Are you trying to put a hex on the New York Giants by bringing this up right now? As far as I'm concerned, you know, Almost two months into it, and the Giants haven't had a devastating injury. They're on the plus side. <laughs> so let's transition to the defense here. We saw a lot more speed on the field, a lot less linebackers. It was a lot of it was a lot of three safety looks. I think Dane Belton ended up playing over forty snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Julian Love played fifty eight. Xavier McKinney played fifty eight. You have Dane Belton. No, there's yet. You have Dame Belton playing 46, and then you have the cornerbacks doing their thing. But Tay Crowder played 48 snaps, and then you had Austin Calitro play five snaps. So you, you're looking at the linebackers, and they were kind of phased out here. Giants also, of note, added Jalen Smith to their practice squad. I thought he looked explosive last year, Chris, just to go off on a little side note here. I think he could fit in well to what Wink Martindale wants to do if he can remain disciplined. Yeah, that that was kind of the issue with him last year where he he's – he looks a lot more athletic than he did with Dallas. And if he can remain disciplined, if he doesn't overrun plays, over pursue, be over aggressive, he could fit in well with what with Martindale wants to do because the giants do need more athleticism in their linebacking core. So they don't have to go to this honestly min maxed defensive alignment that they used so much against Carolina where they had basically four defensive tackles one linebacker and six DBs out there like that is an unconventional personnel package to say the least very unconventional but it worked because they matched speed with speed they were able to shut down Christian McCaffrey relatively other than a 49 yard run in the second half the defense played really well up front again not allowing there to be a lot of rushing 
lanes. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence both had a very good game. And then when it came to third down, Carolina converted two third downs in the entire game, Chris. The defense was pressuring Baker Mayfield. They were getting they were getting free rushers, scheming two versus ones. They were rolling safeties. They were they were doing a lot of different creative things. And if anybody really wants to check it out, I dropped a video on Big Blue View. It's at their YouTube right now. So just go to BigBlueView.com and you can find the link of a lot of those third down calls and what Wink Martindale was able to do to manipulate the protection of young players like Ikami Kwanu and the rest of Carolina's offensive line. It was like a masterclass from Wink Martindale. And you absolutely love to see that. But this defense rose to the occasion, man. They played well. You saw guys like Tony Jefferson and Fabian Moreau and players that you did not expect to be playing a lot of football. Cordell Flott played relatively well here. Yeah, Flott gave up those two big plays of DJ Moore, but other than that, he was in position a lot of the times. He didn't look lost out there. He was one player that I wanted to talk to you about because I was impressed with what he was able to do despite the fact that, you know, for a little bit there, it didn't look pretty. Yeah, things got a little bit sticky with Flott and not in like, the good way he was sticky in coverage, which for the most part he was. Yeah. I think this game did kind of show the, the positives and the negatives with Flot. Yeah. On the plus side, he uses his length very well. He's got quick feet. He's got fluid hips. He has the ability to be in good position, get in phase and stay in phase with receivers, even very good receivers like DJ Moore. The downside is that if he gets a little bit too physical, he doesn't have enough sand in his pants to really match power with power with a receiver like DJ Moore, who is explosively athletic and thick at the same time. So on those big plays we saw Flock give up, he did try to get a little bit too physical. He got a little bit too much in DJ Moore's face and Moore just kind of ran through him because there's about a 30 pound difference there. So it is encouraging, but I think Flot does kind of have to recognize his limitations and recognize this is the NFL. He's not a slot corner at LSU anymore. No, he's not. But man, I, the X's and O's of what Wink Martindale was able to do in the second half to really just take advantage of Baker Mayfield, who did not look good. It was freaking awesome, man. There were simulated pressures. You have O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward dropping to middle hooks and matching, and they were bracket coveraging in the underneath portions of the field. What Christian McCaffrey was able to do, they used Xavier McKinney to eliminate Christian McCaffrey. They were attacking the B-gap with Julian Love and Tony Jefferson to to take advantage of Ikemi Kwano. I mean, there were twice in the game, two third down situations, and one being that final third down where... The Giants aligned. O'Shane Zemen is outside of Ikemi Kwanu, acting like he was going to come, and then they drop him in coverage. And then you send Julian Love through the B-gap with Tony Jefferson running right into that same side guard. And Iquano has to realize quickly, okay, O'Shane Zemen is dropping into coverage. I have to close this B-gap. And both times, man, he didn't realize it. He was just a little bit too late. Julian Love, the first time, flushed Baker Mayfield out. He threw the ball away. They kicked the field goal. And then the second time, he gets the sack. Huge play by Julian Love there. But Wink Martindale realized on that first time, like, okay, let's see if this tackle can learn from his mistake on that previous drive or two drives ago, whatever it was. And he didn't. And I love the fact that, again, another adjustment. They realized that on film. They went back to the well with the same play called drop Jihad Ward off, drop O'Shane Zimenez off, attack the B-gap, see if the rookie can account for you. And he does not again. And the Giants win the football game because of it, man. Great scheming 
up front and on the back end too. You had so many rotations and things like that on the back end. You had guys dropping from the line of scrimmage all the way to deep fourths and things like that. Go check out the YouTube video if you guys haven't yet, because I do a pretty detailed breakdown of all that, but man, I love to see it. Yeah. And there were some times that worked against the giants where Baker was able to have the right call at the right time. They had the, the correct route concept called and the, Giants rotating coverage players just couldn't get to the play in time. And the Panthers were able to pick up some yards when that happened, but the Giants pretty much staunched the bleeding immediately after. And the Panthers weren't able to get on a roll and get momentum going. And part of that was their own sloppiness. Uh, Shai Smith, he had a, a, a bad game targeted six times. He only had one catch, uh, two bad drops and, what would have been a huge play. He just never located the ball to my eye. He never got his head around, never looked up for the ball, even though he was behind the giants defense. Yeah. That, that was kind of a hold, hold your breath moment. And you know, you, you didn't have to hold your breath very long. The second year player just was lost out there. But also you talk about the simulated pressures, the way he dropped Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez into coverage. Yeah. That was something we saw back in the very first preseason game when uh, Martindale called a slot blitz with Kayvon Thibodeau dropping into zone coverage against the Patriots in preseason. Yeah, like how often do you see that from a team trying to be as vanilla as possible? But that's a thing that is kind of foundational to what Martindale wants to do. Not only does it confuse the protection up front, it muddies the quarterback's reads, keeps the ball in his hands, introduces indecision into his process. And even though the Giants weren't able to get to Baker all that often, it didn't really matter because they disrupted his process so much. He either had to throw the ball away or throw a poor pass sooner than he wanted to throw into coverage. The Giants almost had an interception. Uh, it was kind of like the Louvu almost a pick where it just kind of went through the guy's hands. And I, I really loved how Martindale used Zimenez. It was, a couple times it almost looked like a modified fire zone blitz, which, yeah, that's used a lot at every level. But you don't really hear that called out too much in the modern NFL. Anything else, Chris, on the game? I have to say I am looking forward to this Cowboys game because this could be a very different game. Yeah. Cooper Rush, I have no idea what to expect from him. Micah Parsons scares me. There's no two ways about it. He is a bad man out there. And it sounds like the Cowboys might be getting Jason Peters on the field, which I don't know. that He's getting ready for his AARP card out there, but he's still out there playing left tackle at a pretty high level. So, yeah. One of the great rivalries in the NFL, Monday Night Football. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that tape. Hopefully Kayvon Thibodeau can get back on the field as well. And you're right. Micah Parsons is scary, but thank you everybody for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on big blue view radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com for all of our written content. We got stuff popping on YouTube. We're clicking on all cylinders because New York giants are two and O ladies and gentlemen, let's revel in it. And let's hope the New York giants can find a way to get a prime time win. Cause it's something they haven't done since the giants defeated Nick Mullins in 2018. That's the last time they had a prime time win. It's been quite a while. They're due. Let's hope they can seize the moment. Take care of each other. Everybody have a lovely day.
More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.